0: Lord, we pray that you would hear. All right. Uh, so this morning, uh, beginning a series, a series on following Jesus, following Jesus seriously. And so what I planned, before I went to India, I planned to come and speak. Today, uh, we're still in the season of Lent. Uh, much of the church is uh, observing this season, a season of discipleship, of drawing closer to Jesus. And uh, I was going to be preaching on spiritual practices, um, about how they help us to follow Jesus more faithfully. Before I went, I was thinking on, you know me, missional practices, practices of hospitality and service. But having gone to India, uh, something, uh, God was at work in me. The Holy Spirit convicted me. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, the way that the church there fasts and how much of a part of their uh, spirituality it is. Maddie, could you hit the next slide, please? <clears throat> that fasting is a central part of their discipleship, a central part of how they grow and follow Jesus. The thing is, I don't think I'm that good at fasting. I've fasted for times before. Um, I've gone through seasons, fits, and starts with large gaps in between. And I was thinking about it, I can't even, before I went to India, I can't even tell you the last time I fasted. And that was pretty convicting for me. Part of it is because when I fasted, I felt... Um, I wasn't sure what the fruit was coming from. I wasn't sure how it made a difference, and part of it, I think, was because of the way I was fasting. Uh, for me, a large part, of it, I would fast without any real purpose, but mainly just as a discipline, as a way to be obedient to God. Which, uh, you know, if that's the most, if that's all I could muster, like that's better than nothing. But I realized that I was kind of relying mainly on my own strength, and as I was preparing my sermon. Uh, this week, and thinking about that, I felt the Holy Spirit confirming in me that one of the reasons why I didn't see much fruit coming from fasting is because I wasn't fasting, for, at least for me, I wasn't fasting with the right motive. I was fasting more out of obedience and discipline. And I was thinking about it how um, you know, if, if my son Shalem, like he loves to snuggle me, he loves to give me a hug and hold my hand, and um, you know, if he was doing that just because, just to be obedient like, it would still be better than nothing, but it's not quite the same. <laughs> and so I realized that, for me, part of it was the reason why I was fasting. But I had, but before, I had kind of chalked it up as just a spiritual miss. You know, like, I've tried fasting, Lord. I know it's good and that Christians have done it throughout the centuries and have found it really helpful. But, you know, it's just, just not my thing. But then I started reflecting on it. You know, I've, I would never say that about prayer. Would any of us ever say that about prayer? You know, I God, I tried praying a few times, and I didn't really see the fruit, so I just don't pray. It's just not my thing. Or what about studying Scripture, about studying the Bible, which is a mainstay of our spirituality, a mainstay of how we follow Jesus? Can you imagine if we said, you know, I tried reading the Bible a few times. I didn't really get anything from it, so it's just, it's just not my thing. I don't do it anymore. Can you imagine if we approach those two things, prayer and scripture reading, at least like I approached fasting? Well, the thing is, in India, fasting is central to their faith. Nadi, could you hit that next one? This is my friend Balbir. Uh, My friend Balbir, actually, he's the guy who bought me this shirt. Um, Excuse me, Korta. Balbir is a pretty amazing guy. He is a spiritual entrepreneur, the guy is a catalyst. The guy, uh, he uh, starts churches. I, I mean, probably started like five or six churches. Um, but also, he is a pastor of a church, and he is an overseer or a mentor to another seven pastors who have also started churches in their villages. So just this really faithful guy uh, and pretty energetic. Um, he's like Chris uh, Weens, who used to be our uh, the youth pastor here who's now working for a mission organization. Uh, Balbir is one of his top guys. He spends a lot of time with Balbir because Balbir uh, gets amazing things done. God works through Balbir. And I was talking with Balbir about faith, about fasting. And it is central to his faith. Actually, just in India, it's it's central. Um, he was saying when we got there, uh, if you remember Chris, Chris is 6'4 and maybe like 180 pounds soaking wet, like he's a beanpole. And Balbir was looking at us. I'm sure Chris would love it if he ever heard me say that. <laughs> but um, he actually doesn't, Chris, because uh, Chris, Chris is not here, wasn't he? Okay, this one little thing, it's a little bit funny. Chris doesn't wear his kulta. <laughs> he hates wearing it because he said it makes me look too skinny. So <laughs> he doesn't wear his. Um, but anyways, uh, so we get there, and Balbir, uh, he said that looking at Chris, and Balbir, you can see he's got a full face. You know, he said in India, if you're a pastor, they know how healthy your church is by how chubby you are. So, <laughs> so Balbir's got a healthy church. But he said that before we came over in, in December, he had lost 20 kilos through fasting. And but not that's not he wasn't saying like he wasn't as a weight loss program. He was doing it because it was the season of Christmas, and because he was fasting for Christmas. I think he said for like 20 or 25 days. I think he said if I remember it correctly. So fasting is central. And so when I asked him, like, why do you fast? One of the things he said was uh, for clarity, because God gives me vision and clarity about what we should be doing. But he also said because of power. Like, God works in our fasting. And I see what God is doing through Balbir and through the church in India. And you can't just write it off. You can't just dismiss it. God is doing amazing things there. It's interesting, we came to visit a woman. Um, Balbir said, we got to stop and see this lady. It was actually after we had gone, like drove, we had driven for like three hours to northern, to Jammu, Kashmir, and spent the afternoon there and driven another three hours back. He said, we've got to stop and see this lady to visit her and pray with her because she's breaking her fast today. She's been fasting uh, for three days. Um, three days, no food or water. Um, she'd been fasting. And he said, she's a really faithful lady. She's constantly um, praying and fasting for our church. And when we got there, part of Indian culture, especially Punjabi culture, hospitality is a huge value. So you get there, and it's always tea first. So you have chai um, and then some snacks. Well, um, I we were at one place, and they made uh, gobi pakora, which are cauliflower dipped in uh, chickpea flour and deep fried. I love it. And so I told Balbir, I was like, oh, this is my favorite. And he was so impressed that I knew, like I knew Gobi Pakora. He didn't actually have to tell me. He's like, oh, Jason, you know everything about India. Uh, <laughs> I don't at all. Um, but he, he was so impressed with that. I, I wonder if maybe he told, because when we got this lady who had been fasting for three days, we got there, and she's the mom of the house. And so kind of their roles, um, the way they do things there in their culture, she made us tea, and she made us like four plates of Gobi Pakora but she had not eaten or drank anything in three days. And so I see just the faithfulness of people there and how they fast. And it's interesting, as you talk with people in the churches, we the comments are, we'd ask you, how did you become a Christian? Why are you a Christian? What brought you to this church? And the answers were basically three things. Well, actually, two things. The first one was, I was sick and God healed me, or I was demon-possessed and God set me free. And that's why I'm here. And some of them were healed from, like, physical illnesses. Uh, we were, uh, when we were in Jammu, uh, in the northern uh, state of Kashmir, a couple guys stood up and talked, gave their testimony of how God had set them free from alcoholism and from drug abuse. For them, in their faith, God is setting them free. God is healing them. And so it's pretty um, powerful. It got me thinking, first of all. It got me thinking about fasting. It got me praying about fasting. Lord, what what is behind this? And then it got me fasting to start practicing it, to to not spend, this is my tendency would be to analyze and think and research and to do those things, yes, but to then also just begin fasting. But it got me asking, you know, should we fast? You know, are we in North America? Do we have something right by the, I mean, I don't know, I haven't surveyed any of you, so I'm not sure how many of you fast regularly, but I'm guessing you know, from our conversations over the last few years that most of us don't fast at all. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm guessing that's pretty common. Should we fast? And if we should fast, how should we fast? How often should we fast? Should we fast um, like the church in India? Most of the church there, they fast every Saturday night, and then they break their fast together as a church on Sunday. After church, they have a meal together. It's partly because they work the other six days of the week and so they feel like they can't fast those days because they're working. Um, You know, do we need to fast every week as a church? And I think these are questions that we as a church should be asking. How should we fast? How often should we fast? What should it look like? Well, I have good news for us this morning. Melody, would you hit the next slide? I have good news for us this morning because Jesus taught about fasting. He taught what fasting was like. He taught us how we should do it and how we should not do it. And it comes in one of his most famous parts of uh, Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mountain in Matthew's Gospel. Jesus uh, had just begun his ministry. People were beginning to gather around him and follow him, and he goes up to this mountain, just like Moses, having just fasted for 40 days, just like Moses, a prophet uh, uh, in the name or in the type of Moses goes up onto a mountain and gives this new law, this new covenant for God's people. And he talks with them, you remember how it begins, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. He tells the, the people gathered around these surprising new beatitudes how reality is really supposed to be that the world that says, no, blessed are the rich and powerful for theirs is the kingdom of God. He says, no, no, no. That world is upside down. And then he talked with them about discipleship, about how he had come to fulfill the law, how they were meant to be salt and light in the world. And then he talked with them about adultery, about not doing that, about not killing. And then he gets into chapter 6, and he starts talking about practices of righteousness. He starts talking about practices of righteousness, one of them is about giving money, about charity. He says, when you give, don't let anybody know. Just give to be a blessing to people. Don't do it like the hypocrites do. And then he talks about prayer. He teaches people how to pray. He says, don't pray like the hypocrites trying to gather everybody's attention. He says, when you pray, pray like this. And we all know this prayer, our Father in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's where the Lord's prayer comes from, is this Sermon on the Mount. And then he goes on to talk about fasting. And it's interesting, I was reflecting on these things, especially as visiting with our brothers and sisters in India, An interesting thing that I realized, and it was a bit frustrating for me as I talked with pastors there, is that especially uh, the the churches that were in uh, Darival, um, where uh, my friend Balbir said probably 95% of his people were illiterate, could not read. And so you begin to understand, oh, okay, if you can't study Scripture, if you look at this thing and it means nothing to you, then maybe you find other ways to practice faithfulness, like fasting. And I was thinking about that in terms of like Jesus, when he taught about righteousness, it was convicting to me that when Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, Bible study is not mentioned there. That's not to say, don't hear me say that, well, you know, you can just stop studying the Bible. I would never say that. I'm not saying that. But it is interesting to me is that Jesus doesn't point out, he doesn't say pray and study the Bible and go to church. He doesn't say that. He says, when you give, when you're charitable, when you pray, and when you fast. Those are the righteous practices. Those are the practices of righteousness that Jesus taught about on the Sermon on the Mount. That is convicting. That's powerful for me. So Jesus, not not only was he just talking about orthodoxy, right theology, right thinking, in this Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about orthopraxy, right practice, things that make us followers of jesus that help us grow as followers of jesus so if you would open up your bibles to matthew chapter 6 and read this with me an interesting thing that often happened uh, in in churches in india one is that you would have about 80 people and they would all have to fit on the ground in about this, the area of these chairs right here. And they'd all be packed together. And you'd ask to read, and they'd always be read by someone up front, usually, actually, oftentimes by young women. I think maybe just they were the readers of that group or something, but they would sit up front and they would read. I, numerous times, women, young women were would read Scripture uh, when we were at a worshiping. But anyways, I'll take their spot today, and we'll, I'll read this. So if you would read with me Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. Jesus says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. The word of the Lord. So, I told you I have good news for you this morning. I have good news for you this morning because Jesus, the Son of God, is teaching us this morning. The Savior of the whole human race is teaching us. The guy who started this whole thing that we call Christianity is teaching us this morning. So let's go. Let's hear what he has to say. The first thing he says, no, thanks. The first thing he says is when you fast. Wait a minute, Jesus. What do you mean when? Don't you mean if? Don't you mean if we fast someday? Don't you mean if we fast when we become super spiritual Christians and we move to some remote Amazonian village? When we fast at that point, right? What do you mean, Jesus, when you say, when we fast? I think Jesus is saying it like this because he, for him, fasting was a foregone conclusion. For him, fasting was something that, the follow, that his followers, that his church would do. Fasting was not an if thing, it was a when thing. When you do this, do it like this. Jesus assumed that we would fast. And I realize just now... Does everybody understand what I mean by fasting? Fasting is not eating. Just making sure, because there might be some people who've never heard that or never. So when Jesus says, when you don't eat, do it like this. Money, could you get the next slide? He says, Don't do don't look somber as the hypocrites do. Somber, I love the translators of the NIV. They are faithful people, amazing scholars. But somber is about a Two, and this should be more like a 10. The word here is uh, uh, scuthropos, and it is the idea of this horribly dejected, pouty face. Okay, this is not just somber. This is the sort of face you put on so people know how miserable you are. It's funny, I was thinking about kids. anybody here, like, you know, the kids when they put on that face? That face they put on so that everybody around them knows how dissatisfied, displeased they are i was thinking about that. I used to put on that face for my parents. Uh, what's that? Show us. <laughs> Show us. You know it's powerful. You don't want to mess with it. I was going to say I put it on that face, um, and my dad, he never played it right. I'd put it on to me- let my parents know just how angry I was, how displeased I was. And then my dad, he would say, "Come on, Jason, you can do better than that. <laughs> That's not even that sad." Come on, I know you've got a better sad face than that. You just drive me crazy. <laughs> Thankfully, I have outgrown that face, right, Trace? <laughs> Unfortunately, these hypocrites had not. The hypocrites, Jesus says, do not do it like the hypocrites do because they had not outgrown that face. Actually, they had turned that face into a fine art. Now, for those of you who maybe uh, don't know who these hypocrites are, these hypocrites in Matthew's gospel are the Pharisees. Throughout Matthew's gospel, he refers to hypocrites and he's talking about Pharisees. Actually, in chapter 23, he says that six times, woe to you hypocrites, as he's directly addressing the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious rule keepers of his day. They had taken their faithfulness and they had amped it up so high that they were so legalistic and so putting so many burdens on the people around them that Jesus called them hypocrites. He says, don't be like these hypocrites. Don't be like these Pharisees. It says, because they had taken humility. Prayer, and, excuse me, fasting. Uh, if you look throughout the Old Testament, and I've been doing this over these last few weeks so I've been in India, fasting was one of the ways, or one of the reasons that people often fasted was a way to humble themselves before God. To humble themselves. Or to mourn. If someone that you loved died, you would fast as a way to show mourning. It was a humbling practice. And the Pharisees took that practice and turned it into spiritual grandstanding. So that people, I, can't, I only can imagine if they must have said something like, well, you know, if I'm going to humble myself before God, I might as well be exalted by men. They had fine-tuned it. They had the spiritual gift of humbling themselves before God in a way that made everyone else feel belittled below them. They had the spiritual gift of humbling themselves before God and at the same time drawing everyone's uh, approval and, and envy. I had this picture, this idea of them saying, oh, no, 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 it's, I'm just fasting. No, I, I'm not that spiritual. Please don't, don't think too much of me. Don't think less of yourself. I'm just fasting. Jesus says, when you fast, do not be like them. Don't be like the hypocrites. You Note know, if you'd hit the next one. It says, For they disfigure their face to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. If they were trying to get people's approval, they got it. Well done. But God was not impressed. Their Father in heaven was not impressed. Yes, people might see you fasting. They might think, wow, what a spiritual giant. But that's it. That's as far as it will go. So Jesus gives us this good picture of how not to fast. But then he begins to teach how we should fast. Nadia, could you hit the next one, please? But when you fast, there it is again, when you fast, not if, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. And Eugene Peterson's the message, he says, comb your hair, brush your teeth, take a shower, look normal. Maybe even look a little better than normal so that people don't know that you're fasting. No, you can check the next one, please. So it will not be obvious to men or women that you're fasting. Because if you're trying to gain other people's approval by doing this, you ruin it, you waste your time, and you just go hungry for no reason. Jesus is saying, keep fasting between you and God. Seek God's approval only. Now I want to say this, because we can turn this into a legalism thing. It doesn't ruin our fast if somebody finds out, okay? So if you're, um, sometimes we might, well, actually, not sometimes we might. We are going to fast as a church. And there will be days when we set aside to fast. And people will know that if you're part of this church, you're probably fasting. We won't make a big deal about it, but people will know. That doesn't somehow ruin it if people know. Or if say if you're fasting and you're out with someone and they offer you food, Sometimes you can say, you know, if you say, no, thank you, people say, oh, no, 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 please have some. You're like, no, thanks. No, no, please have some. Why aren't you eating? And then it draws more attention, ironically. You can just say, no, thanks, I'm not hungry. Or you can even just say, I'm fasting today. People say, oh. And that's it. It's done. It doesn't somehow ruin your fast if someone finds out. Another thing I think is uh, totally valid is if we fast for someone and we let them know, just that person. Like this week, I'm fasting for a friend of mine who um, is going through a lot of pain. And so I'm going to let him know that I'm praying and fasting for you, that God will heal you. And that's it. Like that's totally valid. I mean, think about today. Actually, you know, if we think about prayer, just before Jesus talked about fasting, he also talked about prayer. And he said, when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites, you know, standing up in the synagogues gathering everyone's attention to themselves. He says, when you pray, go to a closet where only your Father in Heaven will see you. But we know that's not like the only time we pray. I mean, just a few moments ago, we prayed together as a whole church, people speaking out loud. And it's not just that we've somehow got it wrong as a church. I mean, Paul, to his churches uh, throughout the Roman Empire, he was constantly telling, I'm praying for you. So it doesn't somehow undo our fast if people find out. Jesus' point is that we, don't, um, that we don't try and gather attention for ourselves. We don't try and get people thinking how spiritual we are by the way we fast. Jesus is saying it's about your heart. So don't make this into a new kind of legalism where you say, oh, if I'm going to fast, it has to be absolutely secret, or if I'm going to pray, no one can know. But be humble about it. Keep your fast between you and God. Now, if you can hit the next one. He says, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So I want to warn you as your pastor, as your brother in Christ who loves you, do not turn fasting into spiritual arm twisting of God. Fasting does no way put God over a barrel. It's not that we can pray and God feels somewhat obligated and then we can fast and really twist his arm. That's not how fasting works. Don't treat fasting like that. But I do believe Jesus when he says God will reward you he sees what you do in secret and will reward you not if you can hit the next one some of these rewards might be depending on why you fast so if you can hit the next one so if you fast because you are mourning I believe God will reward you with comfort blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted not if you hit the next one If you fast because you are repenting, because of sin, I believe that you will receive grace. Not because of how powerful your fast is, but because of who Jesus is, because of what he's done on the cross. But the fast is part of that. I believe God will reward you. The next one. If If you are fasting for direction, I believe God will reward you with clarity. When Paul and Barnabas were going on mission, the church prayed and fasted. They prayed and fasted for them, and they got clarity. Especially if you are fasting to draw near to God. I believe God will reward you. He will draw near to you. So if you're looking for rewards, like I'm going to fast for a new car, you know, that might not work out for you. But if you're going to fast, Melanie, if you can hit the next one. If you're going to fast because you are mourning or because you are repenting or because you seek clarity or direction or because you want to be nearer to God, I believe God loves to honor and reward those fasts. And I want to warn you, it may not be what you expected. The fast may not come, the results, the reward may not be what you expected it to be, but I believe you will reward. And it may not be now in the moment that you need it, but I believe at very least, one day in the kingdom of God, you will receive your reward even if your reward is something as amazing and so often taken for granted as your Father in heaven will be pleased. Your Father in heaven will reward you. I was... um, It was Tuesday, February 27th, and we were traveling from uh, Batinda to uh, Vizag. So we had to go from Batinda, we had to catch a train, We had to catch train at uh, 6 in the morning, and the train had to go from Batinda to Delhi. Then Delhi, we had to take a cab to the airport, airport to Vizag, or we didn't know when we were going to get there, and it would throw off the whole thing. So, um, because in uh, India, food and hospitality is such an important part. If I were to refuse food, it would be insulting to people. There was one point where we had just eaten and gone to someone's home, and they had all this food, and we barely touched it, and I could tell Balbir, our host, was embarrassed. He was trying to explain to people that we had just eaten because we had not eaten hardly anything they put out. So I didn't want to fast while I was meeting with people. But that day, uh, I wanted to fast. I wanted to try this. And the um, thing you got to know is that uh, for the previous three days, well, first of all, we had a very tight connection between our train and the airplane. Between the train and our flight, I think we had like three hours. Um, to get from the train station to the airport and to get through checking and security and all that stuff. So, um, the trouble is, we were debating the day before because that train, uh, like many trains in India, had been an hour, at least an hour late the previous three days. In India, the schedule is very optimistic, let's just put it that way. Okay, and once a train is late, there's a real tendency for it to get later and later as it goes. So it's not just like it gets an hour late and stays an hour late. It's like it gets an hour late, then an hour and 15, hour and a half, hour and 45. So the previous three days, that train was late. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to try this fasting thing. So I fasted. Fasted that morning. It was the first day in three days that our train was on time. So we caught our train. Uh, I got to sleep on the train, which is nice. And we got to uh, New Delhi. Trouble is, the train station was about an hour drive through that giant parking lot they call Delhi. So we had to walk for about a kilometer, uh, past all these little three-wheeled tuk-tuks or rickshaw-type things, because we had to drive like across town. So these aren't going to work um, to get to a taxi. So we had to walk about a kilometer, We're all dragging our suitcases. We get on this like four-lane major thoroughfare, trying to hail a taxi. Finally, we get one. It takes about five minutes for him to agree to take us. And then we were weaving through um, through traffic, and I can tell Chris, who's kind of more like, I'm not responsible for anything. I'm just along for the ride. Like, I don't. If we make it, awesome. If we don't, well. But Chris, he's the guy responsible for the times and for the schedules. He's sweating bullets as we're trying to get through Delhi. So we get to the uh, Delhi airport, and he says, "Take us to Terminal 3. The ta- the cabbie takes us there, drops us off, and we go to uh, go inside in the they have a security, armed security guy with the AK-47. Says, "This is not your terminal. Uh, you need to go to terminal 2. So we get, we like, okay. So how do we do that? So it's 20 minutes away. So Chris is already sweating. So we get to. Um, they said we're trying to find, negotiate with taxis, and they're like, "Oh no no, 500 rupees, which is uh, like 10 bucks." Um, and then finally they say, "Okay, 300." When they tell, when they realize that we're not going to pay that much, and then we realize that there's a free bus. So we jump on the bus, and it's a 20-minute bus ride to get to Terminal 2. So we get to Terminal 2, and we walk like we're, like, you know, like speedwalking, you know, like little kids when they have to go to the bathroom? Like, we're speedwalking through the airport. um, And thankfully, the night before, Chris printed off our tickets. He said, you know what, Jason? He was so excited about that, even the day before. it's like, this never happens. We're never able to print off tickets. But we've got our tickets. And so we walk up to, we walk right past the ticket booth, which is, like, hundreds of indians like two kilometers long waiting to get their ticket to get on the flight we walk right by that right up to the security line where there is no line put our bags through and go sit and wait to catch our flight chris kept saying jason this never happens i've never had like a connection like this in india something always goes wrong and i said i did i mean i was sort of joking with him but i said well i am fasting today I see God working in that. And, you know, some of you might be thinking, you know, like, come on, JC, you, like, fasted for, you know, for a flight connection. And, you know, on the one hand, it does seem kind of trivial. I could see, like, you saying that, or someone saying that. But it was confirming to me. It was God showing me that I do see what you do. I do see your fast, and I want you to grow in this discipline. I want you to grow in this practice rewarded us with this, like, easy, everything lined up, which it never does in India, trip from uh, Batinda to Vizak. So I think about this, how fasting becomes like an unceasing bodily prayer. Like your body is included in it, constantly praying, reminding us to pray. So... We've heard Jesus. Mel, if you can hit the next one, please. We've heard Jesus teach uh, this morning, and we've learned from our brothers and sisters in India. But what does it look like? What are some guides for fasting? Well, on the one hand, fasting is really simple. You don't eat. Like it's just that simple. But on the other hand, there's maybe some guides that help us to grow. Because I've done the just don't eat thing, and I've wondered like where's the fruit in that. So here are some guides, some things that I have learned, and I'm still learning. So number one. If you could hit it, is start where you can. And I feel like a door was opened up for me because on this train ride from Batinda to Delhi, I'm talking with John Sankarao. He's in his 60s. He was the the, um, national leader who oversaw church planters. The older guy showed you in the pictures. I said, so he each year he does a discipleship training school. He does a discipleship training school, and he's telling with me, I said, So what about fasting? And he said, Yeah, we fast every Friday during DTS. I said, interesting, like, like can you tell me like what is like what do you guys do? How does that look like? He said, Well, we have breakfast, we skip lunch, and then we eat dinner. And I said, So you guys just miss one meal? He said, Yeah. I like completely changed. I mean, maybe that's obvious to you guys, but I always thought fasting like for it to count it had to be at least twenty four hours. And I started thinking about schedules in life and how that doesn't fit. And I realized, oh, you can just do it once. Like miss one meal, miss breakfast, or miss lunch, or miss dinner. So to start where you can. Fasting. Because I know some, some have medications that they need to take that need to be taken with food. So fasting for 24 hours is really like medically an impossibility. Some people have, uh, I can think of one person who has a super-fast metabolism and hates to be hungry and doesn't do well when they're hungry. Um, so, <laughs> no names. Chris. Chris was like that. <laughs> um, um, but you can just miss one meal as a way, as a just a beginning of faithfulness, of fasting. So first is start where you can. The next one, Melody. Is fast with a purpose, this is something that I've learned through my experience in fasting. When I was fasting just as a matter of discipline, as a matter of obedience, I didn't get much fruit out of that. Maybe some of you might, so I'm not saying they'd never do it for that reason, like that's better than nothing, but I was realizing that I need to fast, or it's good for us to fast with a purpose, so we can see the way that God rewards or the fruit come from it. That my my, uh, train slash cab slash Air, airplane ride from Batinda to Vizag uh, will forever change the way I see um, fasting the last thing I want to say is pray and Mellie, if you hit it again pray a lot think of fasting that, that hunger in your stomach that stomach pain that growl is constant reminder to pray as you see in the New Testament especially prayer and fasting they always show up together Pray and fast. Fast and pray. Continually pray while you're fasting. So this morning, we've heard <clears throat> we've heard from Jesus, the Savior, our Lord, teach us about fasting. We've learned from our brothers and sisters in India. But now it's up to us. This church here, what are we going to do with it? I want us to be as a church that recovers the practice of fasting. I want us to practice this, to start where we can, to fast with a purpose, to pray while we do it. I believe God will reward us. I'm taking Jesus at his word that God sees, that the father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. He will reward us. So let's fast. Let's see what God will do. And I'm not just going to stand up here and tell you how or when, but I am going to speak the truth to you as my church, as my family, who I love. That fasting was, Jesus assumed that his church would fast. We need to recover fasting as part of our spirituality. Imagine what God might do in our church. Imagine what God might do in our community. Imagine what God might do in our lives if we were to faithfully fast and to practice this. I am excited. I mean, I knew I was going to be excited as I was writing this, but even this morning, I'm even more excited about what this might mean for us to fast. And so I am declaring a fast this week for our church. And to honor Jesus' words, I'm not going to say when we have to do it or how long we have to do it, but I am saying that as a church, I want us to fast this week and to fast specifically for revival. Revival in our own heart, that our own faith would be revived, that we would read God's Word and it would come alive to us again, that we would fast for revival in our church family, that we would gather together on Sundays and we would praise God, that we would gather throughout the week in our small groups to study God's Word. And I'm declaring a fast in our church this week for revival in our community. You know, it's so discouraging and amazing to go to India and tell people about Jesus and they're like, where do I sign up? How do I get this? And you have those same conversations with our friends and neighbors here and they say, meh, no thanks. It's by the Holy Spirit that people's lives are changed. Sure, he uses us to cultivate the ground, to encourage them to live faithfully in front of them, so amazingly faithful and beautiful lives that people will want to follow Jesus. But ultimately, it's God's Spirit. So this week, as a church I want us to fast. I'm declaring a fast. Even if it's one meal, skip one meal that we fast as a church for revival. Revival in our own heart, revival in our church, and revival in our community. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, Lord God, I give you thanks for your word. I am grateful for the ways that you speak to us. Lord Jesus, that we can read your word and receive your teaching directly from you. Lord, help us to be faithful.